following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you were still there. I am so grateful to Becky Malloy and the United Women in Faith for asking me to speak today. I also want to thank Reverend Nathan Howe for allowing me to share God's matchless word. Um, Nathan and I spent two weeks in Cambodia together on a mission trip seven years ago. And so he knows and has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so I just, I, I cherish him and, and our friendship. Um, our family went, so my husband, my daughter, and I were on this mission trip along with other individuals. Um, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my husband, Reverend Mark Tibbs, who's at Centenary United Methodist Church in Akron right now, and probably missing me because I am tech support. <laughs> so the United Methodist, or the United Women in Faith website has an excellent description of who we are. Driven by God's love and united in sisterhood, we work to improve the lives of women, children, and youth. Every day, we show up, we take action, we get her done. United Women in Faith endeavor to demonstrate God's love in action in all that we do. Today, I'm on a personal mission to ensure that we show up for ourselves as emotionally, spiritually healthy people. Will you join me in that quest? Think, see, you got it. It wasn't rhetorical. Some of you on this side, you thought it was rhetorical. Okay, let me say it one more time. Will you join me on this quest? Yes. All right, a resounding yes. Great. So here's an overview of what we're going to do in the next uh, 17 minutes. We will take a quick emotional spiritual, spiritual health check-in. We'll learn about three emotionally spiritually healthy people from the Bible. And then we'll take a moment to summarize and apply the lessons learned. Does that sound like a plan? Yes. Got it. Now, let's do this quick emotional spiritual health check-in. Take a moment to think about your response to the three questions that are projected. Listen as I read them to you. What is one thing that made you smile this week? How did you spend time with God this week? Have you had or scheduled your annual physical with the doctor this year? Okay. See, I can tell by the expressions on your faces that you are starting to think about your emotional well-being and your physical health. That's great. My prayer for you is found in one of my favorite scriptures, 3 John 2. Let's read it together in the New Living Translation. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Now that was good, but I want you to read it and say it like you're talking to someone you really love. 
So one more time with feeling. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. In other words, you're saying to your friend, I want you to be emotionally, spiritually healthy. And that's my prayer for all of us. It really seems like only yesterday that we were in the midst of the throes of a global pandemic. As some of you can attest, COVID-19 still exists. Researchers found that COVID-19 impacted people's health in three key areas. More people complained about anxiety and depression because of the isolation. People skipped or delayed their doctor's appointments. And people, especially women, faced greater responsibilities at work and at home through homeschooling and caregiving. So as United Women in Faith, we must be emotionally, spiritually healthy people in order to fulfill our mission, to act boldly, show up, and make a difference, especially in the post-pandemic world. Now, I mentioned United Women in Faith several times, but I'm looking at the handsome gentlemen in the congregation. So let me say this differently. All of us, in order to fulfill our purpose, we need to be emotionally, spiritually healthy. So let's turn to the Bible and see examples of three emotionally, spiritually healthy people. Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. You meet them in the book of Ruth. And I know that the Bible scholars who are in this room know the book of Ruth. And how do I know that? Because there's only four chapters. So you probably have had a chance to read it. But let me orient you. We're going to go through all four chapters in less than seven minutes. So chapter one, there's a famine in Bethlehem. The name Bethlehem means house of bread. So in other words, there's no bread in Bethlehem. So Elimelech moves his wife and two sons to Moab. Shortly, late, uh, shortly thereafter, Elimelech dies. So Naomi arranges for her two sons to marry women, Moab women. About 10 years later, the sons die. So we find Naomi with no sons and two daughters-in-law who didn't have any children. So Naomi hears at this time that God's hand of favor has returned to Bethlehem once again, and there's bread in the house, or as they would say, uh, Bethlehem has been blessed again. So, she decides that she is going back to Bethlehem, and she um, invites her two daughters-in-law to join her on this journey. Early on the journey, um, Naomi looks at her daughters-in-law, and she says, you know what, you go back to your families and your culture, uh, and, you know, they go back and forth, no, no, I want to go with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I should tell you that when I look at, think of it, when I read the Bible, I read it as if it's a movie, like a Hallmark movie, to give you guys an example of you know, how I think about it. So anyway, so there's a no, no, I want to be with you, Naomi. But after some uh, further discussion, Orpah leaves, that's one daughter-in-law, she leaves, and we don't hear about her for you know, a millennial until Oprah makes her, okay, you guys missed it, Orpah, Oprah. <laughs> 
Stay with me. I've been doing this now. <laughs> Please. So, but Orpah leaves, and Ruth stays. And let's look at Ruth's reply, in, uh, which is found in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So in the common vernacular, Ruth is the original ride or die chick. She is with Naomi through the end, right? But back to our story. Naomi and Ruth complete the journey to Bethlehem where the city is buzzing because Naomi's back and it's been a decade since they've seen her. And that culture, people didn't travel. You know, if you, if you were raised in Kent, you stayed in Kent. You didn't go anyplace else. So they're excited to see her. I imagine that the United Women in Faith, the Bethlehem Circle, are excited to see their old friend Naomi return home. So in Ruth chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read Naomi's response. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life miserable. I should probably, or bitter, should tell you that Naomi meant pleasant one, and Mara means bitter. So she's being very dramatic. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So, you know, she's having a full-out pity party here, right? We also learn in chapter 1 that it's barley um, season, harvest season. So now we've finished chapter 1 and we're in chapter 2. See, stay with me. In the beginning of chapter 2, we learn in verse 1 that uh, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So the plot thickens. If you watch those Hallmark romances, you know this is when it gets a little interesting. Uh, but Ruth also looks at Naomi and she says, listen, we got to eat. So she goes out to the field and she gleans, and she happens to glean on the field that is owned by Boaz, who is a rich, eligible bachelor who is related to her father-in-law. We also learn that Ruth's reputation has preceded her. So Boaz has been checking out Ruth. He's like, who's this chick? The ride or die chick, right? Who's this woman working out in the field? Verses uh, 11 and 12, Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. People are always watching. Ruth was watching Naomi and made her make a decision to leave everything and come to Bethlehem. And Boaz is watching Ruth or what, and listening to what other people are saying. So she had a good report. Verse 12 tells us that Ruth found favor in Boaz's sight. Ruth goes home to Naomi with a bounty of barley. She tells Naomi everything that happened. And for the first time, 
in a long time, their fortune has changed because God's hand of favor is on their life. So now we fast forward to chapter three, and Naomi has an epiphany. She says, girl, I'm going to get you married. Okay, this is my... <laughs> she says, so she tells Ruth how to catch a man. Not just any man, Boaz. And because the men are here, I can't go into a lot of details, women. But read the book, chapter 3. It's very simple, and it still works. Um, so, so, but Naomi uh, tells Ruth this, and Ruth does everything that Naomi tells her to do. Boaz makes a commitment um, to marry her. And uh, he comes, you know, just saying, now we're in chapter 4. Boaz adheres to this protocol in the Jewish faith. He fulfills, as the kinsman redeemer, he fulfills that obligation. Ruth and Boaz get married. Ruth and Boaz have a baby. So now, the United Women in Faith in Bethlehem are praising the Lord for Naomi's good fortune. So let's read verses 14 and 15 in chapter 4. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian or a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law loves you and who is better to you than seven sons and has given him birth. But that's not how the story ends. Let's continue reading in verses 16 and 17. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women li living there said, Naomi has a son, it's really her grandson, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. So Naomi, who left Moab with no sons, one daughter-in-law, no grandchildren, now becomes the great-great-grandmother of David, who was in the Christ line. That's an incredible story. So let us summarize what we've learned in this story. Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz are examples of people whose lives are intricately connected, despite having different cultures, family backgrounds, income, and ages. They each made a commitment that changed the course of their lives. Naomi made a commitment to return to Bethlehem with what she said, nothing. Ruth made a commitment to follow Naomi to Bethlehem and serve her God. And Boaz committed to redeem Naomi's family's name by buying their land, marrying Ruth, and having a son to carry on the family name. Their commitment, individually and collectively, is a demonstration of God's love in action. And love, God's love, is woven throughout this story. Naomi's love for Ruth, Ruth's love for Naomi, and Boaz's love for uh, Ruth and Naomi. Of course, the ultimate demonstration of God's love in action occurs you know, generations later when God, who so loved, 
gave his only begotten son, our kinsman redeemer, so that we could have eternal life. Now, think about that. God did something amazing for each one of us. We learn from this story that despite our present circumstances or whatever we may be experiencing, God, through his unconditional love, wants us to be emotionally, spiritually healthy people. So as I make my way back to my seat, I want you to revisit your responses to those three check-in questions. What made you smile? How did you, meet, how did you spend time with God? And have you had or scheduled your doctor's um, appointment? Do you, do you remember your answers to those questions? Okay. Based on your responses, please select one thing that you will commit to do to become an emotionally, spiritually healthy person in 2024. I want to thank each one of you for making that commitment to show up for yourself as spiritually, as emotionally, spiritually healthy people. Like Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, your commitment will not only change your life, but future generations. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.